Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another podcast of Preventive Health and Safety. I'm Alan Doherty. I'm glad that you could be here because we're going to talk about a subject today that a lot of people don't think about and a lot of people don't know about, and that is sleep apnea. I've entitled this podcast, Good Night or Not, <laughs> meaning it may be a good night for you or it may not be a good night for you. We all realize how important a good night's sleep is, both for our physical and our mental well-being. But when you have sleep apnea, a lot more occurs than you can imagine. Uh, sleep apnea probably affects about 26 to 30% of the population. Many of these people don't know they have it. Many of these people have never been officially diagnosed and are not on treatment. It's more prevalent among African Americans, Asians, and Hispanics, but almost anybody can have sleep apnea. Now, when you're talking about sleep apnea, there's both the medical conditions that can arise from it, and there's also some very immediate, serious safety concerns. Now, when you talk about safety concerns, you can think in your mind of all the things that we do. Now, I'm not sure exactly what your occupation is, what you do from day to day, but I'm sure there are some things that you do that really require your mental acuity to be sharp. I mean, you, you've got to be able to function and you've got to be able to function with your mind totally focused on what you're doing. So that's a problem with people with sleep apnea. They have what we call daytime drowsiness. They oftentimes fall asleep during the day or get so drowsy during the day they're in kind of what's called a mental fog. And that can be very dangerous. If you're operating heavy equipment, if you're doing very, very technical things, if you're working with things that can possibly be dangerous, <clears throat> you can imagine how it could affect your safety if you're not really in a good state of mind and you're not really focusing on what you're doing. You know, CDC says, and, and they, they did some estimates, and it's the best they could, and obviously it's it's a pretty hard to pinpoint and get anywhere close to exact figures, but they have actually said that in 2017, there were 91,000. Now, this is 2023, I know, but this is about the latest data that they have on this because they don't make the study every year. But in 2017, 91,000 crashes were directly attributed to drowsy driving or people falling asleep at the wheel. Out of that, there were about 50,000 injuries and 800 deaths. 800 people died in an automobile accident because they were too drowsy or too sleepy or they fell asleep at the wheel and were not able to drive safely. And that, that's a huge concern if you think about that. I mean, we're talking about falling asleep at the wheel, losing control of your vehicle, or just getting so drowsy. And, and I, let, let me just ask you. Have you ever been driving and gotten so drowsy that you almost feel numb? That's what, that's what brain fog is. You just, you, you don't realize the things that are going on around you. You just kind of drive. Now, I know we've all had that feeling like we get somewhere and said, man, I don't remember driving here. Some of that's just, you know, subconsciously taking the right turns and, and going the right direction, but you can actually get into a brain fog where you just, you, you just don't really realize what's going on around you. Now, you may be able to drive halfway safely, 
But don't forget, there's a lot of other people on the road that aren't driving safely. So you need to have your reflexes and you need to have your reaction time spot on. Or you could really be involved in a serious accident. Now I got to tell on myself. Several years ago, I was driving to a meeting. Now I live in Virginia, and I don't know if you know the uh, geography of Virginia, but I lived over on the western side of the state, over near the Stanton Roanoke area, and I lived over there. And when I would have meetings on the other side of the state, and I had a choice, I could take a go to a hotel and spend the night, or or I could just drive early in the morning. And a lot of times I just said, yeah, I'm just going to drive. Well, one time. I had a meeting scheduled for 1 o'clock in the afternoon over on the eastern shore, which was about a seven-hour, four, five, six-hour drive for me from where I was. It was quite a trip. And to get up the northern shore to actually where the hospital was that I was going to for the meeting. Well, guess what? I got a call the night before. They weren't able to meet at 1 o'clock. They moved it up till 9. Well, that's wonderful. Now I have to be there by 9 o'clock in the morning. So I get up. Drive over there, I mean, up bright and early in the morning. Get over there a little bit early because I always allow extra time for traffic. Got over there a little bit early, had the meeting at 9 o'clock. When I started coming back, uh, oh, I stopped by my clinic there for a minute and talked to the folks there. I'd say it was probably noonish, 1 o'clock before I got on the road. And, and as I did, I started down towards the course. There's a 17-mile bridge tunnel type situation uh, between the uh, eastern shore and the rest of Virginia. And uh, I'm heading down that direction. And my goodness, I started getting drowsy. And I started getting drowsy. And it was sunny. And that, you know how that sun just kind of hits you. And it kind of mesmerizes you. There wasn't much traffic. I was just trying to function the best I could. I actually even stopped at the rest area that's right before you get to the tunnels. And walked around a little bit. But uh, I got back in the car, and when I sat down, I knew I wasn't rested. I started driving again, paid my toll, got into the tunnel, and you're not going to believe this, but somewhere in one of those tunnels, there's some bridge and then tunnel, bridge, tunnel. Somewhere in one of those tunnels, I actually fell asleep. I swerved over to the right, and I hit the, the there's actually a little uh, a, a curb uh, inside the tunnels, that project out a little bit from the wall. Thank goodness, or I would have just smashed up against the wall. So I hit the curb, made a loud noise, jerked back over to the left, recorrected too much, got into the wrong lane. Thank goodness there wasn't another car in that lane. Swerved back over and was able to make adjustments. I got out on the other side of the bridge or tunnel and looked, and thankfully all I did was really mess up some hubcaps. I was just, I, you, you know how you'd be shaking. You fall asleep at the wheel, you hit something, you hear a loud noise, you're swerving your vehicle. And I mean, I was, I'll tell you what, I was awake after that. Had no trouble getting the rest of the way home. I should have learned something from that. And my thought was I just didn't get enough sleep. I was tired. But I had some signs before. Well, number one, uh, you know, my other half was continually slapping me telling me that i was not sleeping or not breathing at night <laughs> you know wake up and breathe and number two she told me i was just snoring horribly i mean just so loud it was waking her up and keeping her awake those by the way are two really big signs and symptoms of sleep apnea 
All right. So uh, I, I, I kind of felt that maybe I need to get it checked out. I had a bad experience, but I survived it. So guess what? A few weeks later, I'm driving. I went down to Danville, Virginia, which was a couple hour drive. Drove around down there for a little bit, went to South Boston and went over to South Hill and was on my way home again. And sure enough, after about six hours of driving and several visits and a couple meetings, I was totally exhausted. Now it's getting towards evening and, uh, you know, the sun's starting to set and it's starting to get a little darker. And, uh, and lo and behold, I fell asleep again at the wheel. I was in the right hand lane of a four lane highway. I swerved across the left lane, off the road a little bit, and smashed up against the guardrails on the left side, corrected, went back over, and got into the correct lane, pulled over to see what the damage was, and I just totally messed up the side of my, my vehicle. It was, it was really a mess. It was still drivable, and now I was wide awake, but the damage had already been done, and truthfully, there could have been another car over in that side, or there could have been a car when I recorrected and swerved back over and onto the road. Someone could have been seriously injured or killed, or I myself could have been one of the statistics that I just read about earlier. So I finally went to the doctor, <clears throat> had a sleep test, found I was, I was, I had what was called severe sleep apnea. I was having 60, 60 events an hour. That's about one a minute. That's why I was hardly getting any good sleep at night, resulting in this poor behavior on the road, this, this very, very dangerous lifestyle that I was leading because I drove a lot for work. And uh, I had to be awake. I had to be alert. And I can't tell you how many other times that didn't happen, but I just fought it and fought it and fought it, or I got out and I got some coffee and chips and, and, and something and tried to stay awake the best I could. But you're not supposed to operate like that. So when you're thinking about daytime drowsiness, it could end your life. It could get you in a serious accident. You could kill someone else. You know, I, I just can't imagine. Obviously, if you kill yourself, you're not going to really know about it maybe because you're dead. If you end up paralyzed or if you end up in a horrible health condition or if you have to have something amputated or have some serious injuries, lose eyesight, I mean, you're going to live with that for the rest of your life. But if you did something and got someone else injured or killed in an accident because you're not taking care of yourself and you're not trying to get that daytime sleepiness diagnosed, folks, that's something that I just don't know how people can live with. It would be very difficult. I mean, women, children, grandparents, parents, all these people are driving on the road and you're putting them in danger if you're not driving well-focused. So think about that, okay? I said a lot of people don't think this is a very important subject. It is a hugely important subject. Now let's switch over to the health side of it for, uh, for a minute. Sleep apnea has also been attributed to many health conditions. And many of these health conditions can also be risk factors for really more important health conditions. For example, high blood pressure. That's one of the things that sleep apnea, it, it, it can cause you to have. We know that high blood pressure is a risk factor in things like stroke and heart attack, uh, heart disease, heart failure, type 2 diabetes, all of these things, weight gain, 
uh, asthma, acid reflux. We talked about brain fog already. Uh, there's just so many things. You can even have some memory loss and memory lapses if your brain is starting to have a continued process where it's not receiving oxygen. There's all kinds of things. Folks, think of your brain as your best friend. I mean, because it really is. If your brain doesn't function, your body doesn't function. And, and, and you're, you're really risking developing all these different medical conditions. So it's really not worth it. It really isn't. You've got to understand that if you have any signs and symptoms that you may have sleep apnea or you just think, hey, you know what? I really feel tired during the day anymore. And, you know, I just want to bring that up to my doctor. And that, of course, goes back to another very important issue. We should be seeing our physician regularly. We should make sure that we don't miss our annual or however often you have your examinations. But anytime something like that comes up, consult your physician. It may just be, yeah, you're fine. Maybe you need this. Maybe you need that. Maybe one of your medications is making you a little bit drowsy. Maybe this. But the truth of the matter is, get it checked out. Because it could be sleep apnea. And it could be something that could be very dangerous to your health. could be very dangerous to your safety. So what are some of the signs and symptoms of sleep apnea? Well, Mayo Clinic has done exhaustive studies. <laughs> no pun intended. Get it? Exhaustive studies. They've done exhaustive studies on sleep apnea and what are some of the signs, what are some of the symptoms, what are some of the best treatment options. And, and so they came up with a lot of things. Of course, we talked about loud snoring. That is, that is huge. And, and gasping, you know, sometimes you snore and then all of a sudden you're almost gasping for air. That's a sign that you may have stopped breathing for a time period while you were sleeping. Uh, you know, disturbed sleep. You're waking up all the time. And a lot of times that happens. Now, let me explain this as, as, as I was reading the article. It basically says that whenever you have sleep apnea and you're coming out of the apneic phase and getting re-oxygenated, you're breathing again, that takes you out of a certain level of consciousness and sleep into a much less concentrated area in other words you're not sleeping as deeply you're not in that deep rem sleep you're not in that uh, that restful sleep that helps you uh, rejuvenate all the things that your mind and your body needs so if you don't have that obviously you're going to have some daytime drowsiness and also you're going to have periods of time when huh, you fall asleep during the day now i know as we get older uh, me case in point as you get older, you do fall asleep once in a while, maybe sitting down watching something on TV, or I fell asleep last night a little bit, just a little bit, reading a book. Um, you know, some books are really exciting, especially all my books, but no, I'm just kidding. But uh, some books are really exciting, then there's some parts that just kind of go on. I must have hit one of those bots, and next thing I know, I'm, lay, I'm kind of laying with my head back on the couch with a book in my hand. Uh, and that doesn't happen too often anymore. Actually, it was pretty late and I was pretty tired. But, uh, but you'll, you'll have periods of time where you fall asleep and just at various times, I've seen people sleeping right in the middle of the daytime on the chair on the couch. They've had trouble staying awake. It, it's really an issue and it could be a sign of sleep apnea. So you need to get that checked out. Uh, 
just a general sleepiness or lack of energy during the day, that could be another sign. Waking up with a dry mouth, mm, that is, I know that a lot of things can cause that. We're at winter here now in Virginia, and of course the heat's on, and a lot of times that dries the house out, and, and you do wake up a little bit with dry mouth, especially if you're a mouth breather. But with sleep apnea, it's quite common, and a little bit of a sore throat. Now, the funny thing about this sore throat is it doesn't last forever like some type of pharyngitis or strep throat or something like that. It doesn't last out. It's, it's gone just in maybe an hour, not even an hour. So that's something you think about. And then headaches. When I got up, I would have a horrible headache. It would be really bad. And I think, oh my gosh, I need to get some coffee, get some caffeine in me. But it wasn't the caffeine, it was just sleep deprivation and oxygen deprivation. And that headache goes away like that. I get up and before I can even get my coffee made, the headache's gone. But it's a sign that you may be either developing or you already have sleep apnea. And it's something that you need to look into. And then mood changes. Now, mood changes can come from anything. You and I both know that. There can be physical things. There can be uh, a different medication that you're taking now that's causing a little bit of change in your mood or behavior. Uh, it could be just stress, a lot of things. But when you don't sleep well, you're very subject to mood changes. And when people start to ask, you know, are you okay or something wrong, that you start hearing that all the time and you realize that you're not really as as positive about things as you used to be and you may have a little less patience with people and situations it could be that you're going through a mood change that is contributed to sleep apnea or not getting good sleep at night so what is the treatment and what do you do about sleep apnea first of all be aware of all this stuff i just talked about <laughs> please Number, you, you got to realize how dangerous it can be immediately. You got to realize what long-term problems you can have as a result of that. By the way, I also have atrial fibrillation. Did you know that sleep apnea contributes to atrial fibrillation? Atrial fibrillation really increases your risk for stroke. I'm telling you, this may seem like a really simple subject, but it can be quite important to your health. So please take this seriously. All right. So the treatment, number one, get evaluated. After you consider all this stuff, say, hey, you know what? I, some of the stuff he says, I better think about this because I'm experiencing some of this. Go in and talk to your doctor. They're probably going to prescribe a sleep study. Back in the old days, you'd have to go somewhere, sleep in one of their beds, and then they would monitor you. And that would just freak me out. <laughs> someone, someone paid to stay up at night and watch me sleep. That would really be weird. They probably just watch the monitors. They're probably not staring at you, but that would be the feeling I'd get. But now they give you something you take home, you wear it at home, and uh, you take it back. They check it out, and they can tell you exactly what type of sleep apnea you have or if you have it at all. So it's really great. Very simple process. Now, you come back. They talk to you. Hey, you have sleep apnea. So again, what do we do? There's different things they can try, but most likely they're going to give you some kind of breathing device to help you breathe when you stop sleeping. Now, I have a CPAP. 
machine that I use. Now, by the way, they're, they're coming out. It seems like every six months or so, they're coming out with a new and improved sleep apnea device or a CPAP device to help you breathe at night when you may stop breathing. And they're all very good. They're getting more modernized. They're getting less intrusive to your sleep. I've been using one now for a couple of years and uh, I put it on at night and I fall asleep. Don't even realize I have it on most of the time. And let, but I move around a lot when I sleep. I've always done that. Sometimes I'll jar the mask a little bit loose and I have to tighten it up. And so there, there's always little things, but overall <laughs> I have so much more energy during the day. I don't get near as drowsy. I, I don't, I've never even gotten drowsy to the point where I had to pull over when I'm driving on the road. And, and so it's been really, really a big blessing. You say, well, that's, you know, I'm not old enough to, to do that. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. You know, but how old do you have to be to take care of yourself? How old do you have to be to realize that you need some help with something? Folks, I know people in their thirties that have had heart attacks and strokes. I mean, it's terrible. But it happens. I'm not saying those heart attacks and strokes were caused by sleep apnea. But what I'm saying is it's never too early to start taking care of yourself. The longer you have a condition, listen now very carefully, the longer you have a condition that's not diagnosed and treated, the more risk you add that you're going to come down with a serious health condition or you're going to die early. So that's your choice. Now you could go the route of just making sure preventive healthcare, or you could just put it off, forget about it, and end up being a statistic on my paper. The choice is yours. Lifestyle changes are always a part of the treatment. Number one, lose weight. People that are overweight are more apt to get sleep apnea. So, I mean, if you're African American, Asian, Hispanic, you're overweight, you're a prime candidate for having sleep apnea, all right? But the rest of us, we can get it just as easily, but overweight. So exercise, start eating properly. We've been talking about all these things now ever since we started this podcast, doing the things that you know you need to do to, to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Stop smoking. Oh, I can't. I, I love to get that in every chance I get. I'm going to do a a podcast on smoking one time, and I'm going to go into the financial aspects. I I actually work in the financial industry as well. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing. If you, I'm not even going to go into it. I'll talk to you about it later. But, wow, how much money do you spend in a lifetime on cigarettes? And if you save that, you wait to see what it is. But stop smoking. Smoking is also a huge risk factor in developing sleep apnea. And, of course, excessive alcohol. Now, I'm not saying you got to stop drinking altogether. I'm not saying you, you know, you should just be totally abstinent from alcohol, but I am saying that excessive alcohol intake can really be a determining factor of whether or not you're going to have sleep apnea. All right. So this is important. And, and, and you know, I do these podcasts for a reason, right? I, I don't do them to make money. I never sell anything on these podcasts. <laughs> I get all these emails all the time monetize your podcast. Well, I'm not interested in monetizing my podcast. I'm interested in helping you live a long, healthy life. I'm interested in in, in helping you minimize risk 
that's <laughs> hold on there. That's the key to the whole thing: minimizing risk. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you minimize your risk so that you don't come down with these serious health conditions and that you're able to live a long, healthy life. Now, what can you do besides the things we talked about for you? Spread the news. It's, it's, if you're, I didn't take notes and I didn't want to sit down and talk to everybody about this. You don't have to. You just refer them to this podcast. Say, hey, I just heard a great podcast. And that's not exaggerating. I just heard a great podcast on sleep apnea, and I think you should listen to it because it's very, very important. And I've seen you fall asleep, and your wife tells me you snore like a train. Please, you've got to, you've got to listen to this podcast, or just talk to them about it. Hey, I listened to a podcast, and I heard about all the signs and symptoms of sleep apnea, which is a very serious condition, and I think you may need to get evaluated for that. Be a friend. Maybe you have a relative, a loved one. You could be saving their life. You could be saving them from developing severe health conditions. Wouldn't that be great to know that you were a part of this? I, I love doing what I'm doing. I really do. I, because I feel like every time I put a podcast out, every time I say something that might help someone, that there could be just one person somewhere that listens to it, benefits from it, and their life has changed. That's what preventive health and safety is all about. We want to engage everyone in a process that will keep you going for a long, long time. Thanks for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this. Share it with friends, and we'll see you again next week.